Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. There's an old movie called The Wizard of Oz. Heard of it? I'm thinking maybe even if you're really young, have you heard, at least heard of The Wizard of Oz, young people? No? This is totally, I'm so sorry. You haven't? It's a phenomenal film. You should get online, Google it. The graphics are amazing. It has flying monkeys in it. Okay, just in case you need a little. So anyway, in this movie, there's a character. His, I think they call him the Cowardly Lion. And at some point, here's a picture of the coward. He gives a speech on courage. All right? He says, what makes a king out of a slave? And then he says, courage. He says, what makes the flag on the mast to wave? And he pauses. Right? Courage. Some of you have seen the movie, right? Courage. And then he goes on. What makes the elephant charge his tusk into the misty mist or the dusky dusk? Courage is what he does. Does anybody remember that part? In the, at least some of you. And yeah, a few of you remember that. Some of you over here are like, I don't get it. Where's the flying monkeys? Okay. Um, just to introduce the idea, of, the idea of courage, here is a definition. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. It's strength in the face of pain or grief. It's bravery. It's courage. Another example that came to my mind was a few weeks ago when my wife was walking up some steps kind of through a, a woodsy area and she made what I will describe as a girlish sound when she came across a snake like this. Yeah, no, her, her sound was much higher pitched, more like a Wah, snake, that kind of a thing. And so, and she came down the steps. By the way, this is... Uh, somebody told me that it was a, a blow snake. Uh, it's also called a hognose snake. The weird thing about it is it has the ability to flare its neck so it looks like a stinking cobra. So anyway, well, my wife, she was running this way from the snake, and courage for me in that moment was not to just run with her and make girl sounds along beside her. Courage for me was getting a shovel and going and taking and get rid, getting rid of the snake. That was courage for me in that moment. Some of those uh, examples of courage might even be more serious than that. Uh, it's when we're facing cancer, but we face it with faith or trust or dignity. Courage can be when you decide that you're going to enter into a covenant relationship with another person, when you're going to get married, when the first time you tried that, it did not work out so well. So it would be easy to just slide into the, we're just going to, uh, you know, we're just going to live together. We're just going to pretend we're married, but not establish a covenant of marriage. Right? Are you getting this? It'd be easy to shy away. And it takes courage. Can I get an amen? It takes courage 
There's two, there's two covenant relationships that we have opportunity for. One is a covenant relationship with God. Another one is covenant relationship with another person. And I think, excuse me, in our culture, if you decide you're going to establish that kind of a relationship, it takes courage sometimes or a lot of times. Did that not make sense? That's, some of you are like, yeah, yeah, right? Courage. God's into it. Courage mentions courage and faith and being strong hundreds of times in the Bible. Examples, Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. It says, do not be afraid or terrified. Many times, I think most of the times when a messenger of God will show up, an angel will show up, one of the first things that they say to whoever they're showing up to is, don't be afraid. In the New Testament, Bible says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. So hold those thoughts. We are well into this series called Audacity. We're talking about bold acts of the early church. And just aside, I feel like we talk about this courage, strength thing pretty frequently around the church. But as I was walking, going through this book of Acts, it just comes up again in chapter 4, so we're going to go with it. Um, let me tell you what's happening in the chapter. Jesus Christ has already come and lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was killed uh, by humanity on the cross, uh, rose from the grave, by the way, died for our sin, rose from the grave, hung around for a little while, and then he imparted the Holy Spirit to his followers with an assignment. I want you to keep the kingdom of God going. And so here in the book of Acts, they're doing it. So we're going to look at two men, Peter and John, who, by the way, to, to, to do this kingdom of God, follow Jesus' stuff, it takes courage. And uh, we saw a couple weeks ago these same two guys, Peter and John, in the third chapter of Acts. Uh, they pray a courageous prayer and God uses them to heal a man who's been lame his whole life. So we're still kind of in that story. Just a little bit later, there's some... You would think that if you, had, if you were part of a man getting healed from being lame his whole life, you would think everybody would just go, Ha! We like you, man. How do you do that? And that's not what happens. The religious leaders are mad at him and frustrated with him. And so they take Peter and John and they put him in jail for 24 hours. And now this part of the story, they're bringing them out of jail into an intimidating situation to question them. All right? Chapter 4, verse 5. It says, The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem... Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other. I am so sorry. I'm distracted. I don't know. <laughs> I have struggled every service. Is what I, I have the mentality of a middle schooler. <laughs> Aren't you glad that your name is not Annas? What in the world were his parents thinking, Kathy? 
Every service I have read that, and my brain goes, oh, that poor guy. All right, I'm so sorry. Kathy, I couldn't do it. I was going to make it through every service. Welcome to the vineyard. We hope your name is not Annas. All right. <laughs> See, now we can't even go on. Shoot. Okay, so that guy, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, better name. John, even better, Alexander and others of the high priest family. So they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Right? By what, here's the question, by what power and what name did you do this? How did you heal that lame man? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Few more verses. Jesus, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. One more verse. This is why we chose this section. When they saw the courage, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Title of the talk this weekend is Marks of Spiritual Courage. And there are a couple lessons that I think we can learn from Peter and John. Two hopes in the next few minutes. One, I hope that just because we're gathered around this topic of courage, I hope that God just supernaturally brings you and I courage for life. Because you know what? Later today... Some of you are going to need courage. And if, it does, if you don't need it today, tomorrow, this week, there's going to be a situation, because they just come up, that you're going to, it's going to require, to get where you need to be, to end up in the best place, or a better place, you're going to have to be courageous. So I hope there's a general impartation of courage. And the other thing is, I like this because we're going to look at a, a, a two specifics of spiritual courage. So uh, let me pray. I'll give you these things. Father, help bring your spirit, your presence to us. I pray for those online as well, but your presence and an impartation, a, a, a giving of courage today. And I do pray, I welcome Many of us might do it as well. We welcome some specific challenges regarding courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things I see here. The first idea, uh, as we look at characteristics of the spiritually courageous, the first one is this. The spiritually courageous offer direct answers. And if you, there's a place on your handout if you want to make some notes. Offer direct answers. Answers. We're learning from Peter and John. In the text, in verse 9, 
where they respond to the question, How you, how'd you do this miraculous thing? They say, if we are being called to account today, and goes on to say, and are being asked how he was healed, and I like this, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is, they just answer the question with clarity. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Boom. They didn't have a microphone, but if they had one, they might have dropped it. Because you asked the question, and they just gave the answer. I would also submit to you that they added a little more clarity in case they didn't know which Jesus they were referring to, because in Jesus' day, Jesus wasn't the only one who had the name Jesus. There are other, you know, men named Jesus. And so they clarify, right, it's Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. It's that Jesus. Now, I believe, and you'll get this, we'll get this, this took spiritual courage to say this clearly. They have interacted with this group of people before. This is the same group of people that when Jesus was doing all his miracles and stuff, this is part of the group that killed Jesus for the same kind of thing. This is, this is the group that 24 hours earlier, most of them, in response to the miraculous, threw these guys in jail. So it's pretty easy to think, they know they're not going to like the answer to this question. But they say it anyway. That is a mark of courage. You can write this down on your handout. This is my observation even in an intimidating situation, the disciples shared the simple truth. Even in an intimidating situation, the disciples shared the simple truth. Now, just aside, they don't have to give a major, huge speech, you know, a 30-minute presentation but they were honest. And I want to go on a, a, a little bit of a trail here. If you've not considered this, probably worth considering. Being honest, telling the truth, I would submit to you is a significant mark of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think, well, what is... What does it feel like or what does it look like when the Spirit of God is moving? You know, and I don't know, you may have your own preferences or, oh, no, when the Spirit of God is moving, like the music gets really loud or, or I sing, or my, the hairs on the back of my neck feel really, really ooh, good or, or, you know, like we might have different things and some of those things may be uh, appropriate when the Spirit of God is moving, then people have understanding. All that. One of the things, though, when an evidence of the Spirit of God is just truth. Jesus self Identified. He gave himself some titles in John 14, 6, and he says, I, I am the way and the truth. So if he were coming into the vineyard and filled out a name tag, he might say, truth. Hi, my name's truth. I'm the truth. That's significant. Jesus regularly, he just told the truth. He, he didn't sugarcoat things. I'm grateful for this verse in Matthew 19 where he was talking to some men after an interaction with a pretty rich man. 
And he says, truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter, enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what? I'm glad for that. You know what I would also say? That's true. How many of you know, now maybe, maybe you don't fit in this category, but most of us in America, if, if go, go to a third world country, folks, we're kind of rich. And I would tell you, it's hard not to get distracted by all of the options and material possessions we have. We could spend our whole life just dinking around with our stuff and buying new stuff and figuring, daydreaming about next stuff. We could spend our whole life being distracted and never pursue God and therefore never end up in the kingdom of heaven. It's hard. Anybody, amen? It is hard. It's hard. I'm glad Jesus is clar- clarifies it's hard because it kind of helps us buck up and say, all right, it's going to be hard, but we're going to do it. If you want to read an interesting uh, moment where Jesus interjects truth. Uh, in John chapter 4, he has a conversation, great conversation, uh, with a woman, and uh, it's kind of known as Jesus with the woman at the well. And I can sum it up. Uh, Jesus meets a woman, and they start talking about water and the well, kind of a connecting point. They were both at the well. And so they talk about water, and then the conversation starts to go a little bit uh, deeper, and Jesus shifts it to spiritual water, spiritual things. Ultimately, when they get even deeper, he says to her, uh, go get your husband. Now, this is just me. I think he says, hey, we're going to go deeper. Why don't you go get your husband? And, and she says, uh, here, it'll come up on the screen. She says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus, because he's Jesus and he knows everything, he interjects a little bit of truth into this. He says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. I know that's like, to me this is a, a gulp moment where like if you're there you go, mm-hmm. like she says, oh, uh, you don't, no, you don't feel that? Another way I thought about this is this is when someone drops a little truth bomb into the conversation. You know what a truth bomb is? The truth bomb is just, it's just, it, because it, the truth, it might explode. And no matter what, it just shakes, it gives you a little tremor. Does that make any sense? A little tr- truth bomb, Jesus throws it in there. You know what? It's hard why it takes courage to put a little bit of truth into stuff. Because it's hard. Because it could blow up. But it's awesome. One, it's because God, it's what God does, but it's awesome because often that bit of truth brings traction for transformation. Anybody ever told you the truth one time? And even at the beginning, you gulped and went, but then, then you're like, that's totally right. It's, it's a little truth bomb. But it takes courage to do that. So to bring this idea in the room, here's a question. How often do I give direct, honest answers? That's a challenging question to me. Some of you might be great at this, but how often do I give direct, honest answers. Now, by the way, I didn't say, how often do I give aggressive, hurtful 
answers. There's a difference. Do we need to talk about this? There's a difference between lobbing truth bombs into people for fun. Like, ha, 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 well, your shirt is ugly. It might be true. You don't have, that's not a productive bomb. Does that make sense? And have you, have you met those people? Well, no matter what, I'm telling the truth. And it's like they come hacking at everybody with, you know, the truth bomb. <laughs> like, that's not what we're talking about. But, but it's productive. Does that make sense? Yes, I'm not talking about that. But if we're going to be helpful to people, if we're going to be courageous people, can I just admonish you? Be the person who is willing to respond with the truth. Pray, seek God. Just because we know the truth doesn't mean we have to say it all the time. But a lot of times you'll, you'll be helpful. Spiritual courage offers direct, the spiritually courageous offers, offers direct answers. One other thing, the spiritually courageous possess, did I fill in all the blanks back then? Okay, good, because I know some of you can't go on if there's a blank not filled in. The spiritually courageous possess exclusive theology. And I don't know if I like my fill in the blank, uh, uh, so sorry about that, but we're going to talk about it's courageous to have clear understanding about God. Let me tell you a story. I had a friend who, yeah, I did, one time, long time ago. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded pathetic. I had a friend once. Now, I had this friend, and I was 20. I was 20 years old when I became a Christian. And so I was probably still the age of 20, and I was in a conversation with a friend of mine. Jesus changed my life. Uh, uh, it just, you know, really uh, affected me so much. So I was talking to Anne. Anne was studying uh, at um, Ohio State University. She was studying, getting her PhD in artificial intelligence. So Anne and I were on the same intellectual level. <laughs> I don't know what the heck she was talking to me for. So anyway, we were, so we were having this conversation, and I started to talk to her about God and about Jesus. And I don't know where I, that I did a very good job, but I was just trying to share with her, and we have all sinned. And here's this incredible thing that God has done for us. He sent Jesus Christ, because we can't fix our own selves. He sent Jesus to fix ourselves. And so there's this personal relationship with Jesus. And Anne had grown up with some church experience, but I was just trying to like, this is a big deal. This is great news. So I was talking about the, the gospel kind of a thing. And as I talked about sin and the need for Jesus and, and to personally ask Jesus, all those things, I remember when Anne said to me, uh, she said, Mark, I buy, I think she said 90%. I buy 90% of everything you're saying. She said, but... If this is true, that means almost everyone I know is going to hell. This, is a, this was a, a point of decision for me on whether I would be courageous. Because you know what I wanted to do? 
I wanted to say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Like, oh, that couldn't be true because God's all loving. And it's our, does that make sense? I just didn't, and I still remember, I still remember. And, and, and she was on my right, and I said, yeah. I wasn't saying yeah because I don't want people to come to know Jesus and be in, but I was like, yeah, that's the reality of it. Now, why was it hard for me to say that? Why did it take courage? Because I didn't want to bring a dividing line. Does that make sense? I didn't, I didn't want to. Here's the deal. God is a God who brings clear direction and clarification to eternal things and how we're supposed to live. If you go to the, back to our text where they say in verse 11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. You know what, folks? There's only one cornerstone in a house. There's only one. It's exclusive. It's clarity. And then they say say this. Salvation is found in no one else. Wow. It takes courage to believe that, to say that, to live that. By the way, Jesus, the fact is, Jesus said this about himself. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Can I challenge you with something? Don't get frustrated that Jesus is narrow-minded. Well, that's just not me. That's just mean. Why can't he just plug in? We should be, can I just tell you this? We should be grateful that he is so in love with us that he would come and open a door. See, don't get frustrated that he didn't just open a million doors and say, hey, what all y'all want to do, don't be frustrated at that. Be grateful for his initiative to say, I'm going to show you the way, walk in it, come on. Does that make sense? It's really good news. (laughs) I feel a tangent coming on. Ah, how much time do we have? I don't know that we have time for it. Let's go on. No, come on, don't encourage me. Stop it. I can't even remember it now. What was it? It's gone. Oh, thank you, Lord. It's gone. Okay. This probably had to do with someone's name. (laughs) Someone's like, someone's name? Never mind. Oh, okay, here's where we're headed. Fill in the blank. The disciples didn't declare Jesus a spiritual option but the spiritual answer. It takes courage to believe, to embrace that. Arguably, especially in our world today. To be clear, it's true. Jesus said it of himself. He said, I am the way. The disciples said it of Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. I was also reminded of a... Of a uh, uh, an incident, a time in Luke 9, 35, where uh, Jesus was there, and it, the actual spirit of the creator, God, the, the, the one who created the universe, came in the presence on earth in a cloud. Here's what it says. It says, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son. This is, wouldn't that be something? Like this voice comes out of a cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. And the father says, listen to him. It's pretty narrow. 
pretty clear. Listen to him. Which actually disqualifies some of the people it's really easy to listen to. It doesn't say listen to your wife. <laughs> Sorry, there's four men going, yes. <laughs> I thought I always had to. Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. But it doesn't say listen to your wife. It doesn't say listen to your grandmother. It doesn't say listen to this author. It does, right? Now, some of those things are not bad. But really, what God clarifies over and over and over again, who are we supposed to listen? Listen to him. He is above all things. Don't listen to culture. Don't listen, right? There is a, there is a primary voice that should drive, will drive, anyone who has the courage to be a follower of Jesus. And the voice is the voice of Jesus. It's the clarity of the Scripture. That takes courage. I'm going to go on a little, uh, uh, try to make one other little point here before we close. And just kind of plead with you that this God who is clear with direction, listen to him. That kind of a thing is actually a huge blessing in our life. I would submit to you that clarity and direction is helpful. Uh, bad illustration. Welcome to the vineyard. I have bad illustrations fairly regularly. Saw on social media, haven't been there, it's a place called Trader Joe's. Anybody saw there's a new Trader Joe's? It's okay, yes, that's right. I don't know. Is it, is it a cool place? It's cool. Okay, so cool place. You should all go there. Maybe. I don't know. Listen to him. Uh, anyway. If someone after church says, hey, Trader Joe's open, and asks us, how do I get there? And we say, oh, just jump on the bypass. <laughs> and that's it? You ain't getting to Trader Joe's if you just jump on the bypass. You got to have more clarity than, does that make sense? Or you could say, well, just uh, head north. So for some of you, that's not helpful at all. Because you don't know how to find north, right? Just get on the bike. What's helpful if you're going to try to get to Trader Joe's? You need clarity of direction. I also thought of another place. I don't know why. Anybody heard of Gatlinburg? Is it Tennessee? I don't know. It's like this vacation -y spot. And if after church somebody said, hey, how do you get to Gatlinburg? You got to give them more than, I'll just jump on the bypass. I mean, you jump on the, you can't just jump on the, and even if you just say, oh, you know, I think it's southeast, so it's, you know, let's head that way. Woo! What, what are the chances they're going to, I'm grateful for a God who says, I'm going to tell you, by the way, wandering, oh, I think I have this, that we might be able to put it on the screen, wandering yeah, this is come up, come up on the screen. Wandering gets us nowhere good. We are deceived if we think we can just wander our way to heaven, to eternal things, to clarity with God. This makes so much sense. We, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on, I met uh, two young ladies that are on the Notre Dame uh, volleyball team. Sorry, you got, it's a, you didn't ask for this. I'm not going to make you do anything. But I was just thinking about you guys earlier. So they're on the Notre Dame volleyball team. And you know what my guess is? They didn't just wander their way to the Notre Dame volleyball. When they were 12, 
They, and they said, you know, I think I, think I like volleyball. I, somebody didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. You'll get there. <laughs> Does that, am I right? You did have, you don't just get to significant places without clear clarity, steps. You will not get to financial stability by just wandering there. You'll get there with clarity, right? You will not have, you will not do well parenting, my friends, just wandering through your parenting responsibility. And here comes the tangent. Do parents, will you please at an early age give clarity to your children about God. They will not find good places if you just, you think, we think they will wander their way into good places. Ah! What? Just, they'll wander their way right out into the middle of the street. They'll wander their way. You don't get to happiness, health. There are roads, clear roads that will lead you to healthy relationships. Clear roads that will help you get, the, get through this life. There's clear roads. There are some roads that are stupid. You will end up not with happiness and health and spiritual vitality. You'll end up in depression and a mess and poverty. And so part of our responsibility, we're gonna have to be courageous to do it. We gotta be people who embrace clarity from God you gotta, you got to say, God, give me. This is a posture before God. Are we humble enough to say, I'm going to trust you, God. Will you give me clear direction? Will you submit yourself to a book that is proven for thousands of years? Hey, well, have you read the new book? Gosh, I'm on a, a real weird rampage. I, I, don't, I don't care that much about the new book. I want a proven book that's changed lives for hundreds and thousands of years. So I'm not dismissing. Does that, does that make sense? So I'm not trying to be mean, snotty, goofball. I'm not trying to be anus, an anus here. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get off it. Just trying to be honest. I'm not trying to be anus, I'm trying to be honest. Gosh. Gosh. Gee whiz, help us finish this church service now. Here's the deal. There is one God. You can believe this or not, but it is the gate. There is one God. He has one son. He loves you. He loves you so much that he would die on a cross to break open a gate from our sinfulness into perfect heaven and relationship with him. But it's a gate. You got to, one God Jesus loves you, died on the cross, paid for all your gross sin through his gross death. That's why he died. Rose from the grave to prove it. He loves you. And you know what? And here's the, here's the deal. That's the deal. It's a great deal. It's a phenomenal deal. But it will take courage for us to embrace it and live it. Last fill in the blank. Am I willing to live courageously, exclusively, for Jesus Christ. Oh. So, as we get ready to close, you can remain seated. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. 
We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.